Hello, awesome people. Welcome to Embrace the Pivot. I'm Dr. C. Robinson, your host for the show. Join me as we discover what pivoting actually means and how you can embrace your pivot during life's transition. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome back to Embrace the Pivot. Here's what I found while studying the art of pivoting and really just studying humans. Everyone has a story. Some stories are better than others. Some chapters in your book are fantastic. Some you never want to read ever again. The important thing to remember is all of those stories make up who you are. And you can either embrace the good, the bad, the ugly, or you could try and forget about it. But most of the time, about 98% of the time, the story that you want to forget about the most is the one that's going to be most engaging. It is going to be the one that actually propels you forward. And if you can remember that everyone does have a story, your judgment of others is going to decrease. And when it decreases, you are actually being less harsh on yourself and more accepting of yourself. Because when you can accept others, that means that you are comfortable in your own skin with the choices you've made in life, and maybe not necessarily you accept all the choices you made, but you've come to terms that you did make them and you are utilizing them to propel you forward. Today's guest has a special story. She was at her worst. She was an addict, but she did not let that define her. When she was able to accept that, yes, this was a part of her past, but it's not going to define me. Instead, it is actually going to help me on my journey, get to where I want to go and help others. She was walking in her truth. And I am so excited for you to hear Amanda Bible's story. She is certified in NLP life and success coach, time techniques. She's a hypnotherapist and an EFT practitioner. Amanda is an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, a yoga enthusiast, a wife, a mother, an early riser, coffee concierge, corporate dropout, and founder of the Inner Beauty Bible. She's also the founder of the Sparkle System Coaching and practitioner certification. She is on a mission to empower women to rebirth themselves so that they can create a legacy, become their own best friend, and heal the future generations to come. Amanda's story is profound because she did not let it define her. How many times have you done something? You went, oh, I wish I didn't do that. And you try and forget it. But instead of forgetting it, embrace it. I wish we would talk about our lessons learned, or some people call them failures. I don't like that word because as long as you get up and continue to put one foot in front of the other, that is not a failure. She has done it, 
She is a social media influencer. She is helping others come to peace with their past actions and change their future actions. Everyone, please welcome Amanda. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So you have had quite a journey. Yeah. Personally and professionally. So why don't you take me through your biggest pivot and how you got to where you are today, where you're helping others overcome their own struggles? Yeah. So my biggest pivot, that's such a big question because I feel like there's always like these little pivots along the way that ultimately lead to like the ultimate. Um, My biggest pivot that led me to this current era of life, I would say, is the movement from corporate to having my own business. I had never had my own business before. Um, But what led to that was um, I'm in recovery. I have um, a past of eating disorders and I had a drug addiction. And um, through multiple years of really just like hitting rock bottom and opening up that trap door and going even further down, um, I think I was really just programmed with all of these beliefs that like I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't worthy enough, I wasn't skinny enough, I wasn't pretty enough, I wasn't likable enough, like all of these beliefs throughout those dark days, you know, um, I remember at the very end of my journey with my drug addiction, I remember staring at myself in the mirror. It was, um, you know, those defining moments where Mm -hmm. you just remember every single thing that you were wearing, what you were doing, like the music that was playing, just like everything, you know, for me, I was, I remember staring at myself in the mirror. I was in my childhood uh, bedroom. And I had mascara just streaming down my face. And my hair was in this like high ponytail. I was wearing this lime green blazer. And I was still drunk and high from the night before. And I was staring at myself in the mirror thinking, I didn't dream about this moment when I was a kid. Like, this is mm-hmm. not what I dreamt about. I didn't dream of being a drug addict. I dreamt of being an astronaut or a dolphin trainer, or like this, you know, queen of the universe or whatever it was. And I just remember feeling like I was locked in my own personal hell and I didn't know how to get out. And it filled my heart with so much, with so much sadness and pain. And in those moments, I didn't think that I could go on anymore. And after an intentional overdose, I wound up in the hospital and and found, luckily found the rooms of um, Narcotics Anonymous, which ultimately was a huge pivot for me because as a drug addict, I'm programmed to want to use drugs. right? So it was releasing the things that were filling this void for me, which was food and drugs and men and sex and all the other things that go along with it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately learning how to fill the void with self-love and self-respect and just dignity and happiness and things that I didn't 
know how to find without a drink or a drug for a very long time. And I found myself uh, working, becoming a productive, productive member of society, as they say, in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. And I remember maybe like a year or two in, I'm like, this isn't why I got clean. <laughs> like this, this room, this, this desk, this is not why I got clean. I know I'm here for this bigger purpose. I know I'm meant to do so much more. And I recreated myself on a resume and began to climb the corporate ladder. And after about six or seven years of filling that void now with money, <laughs> I realized that that wasn't what I was here to do. And I think that all of these steps led to the biggest pivot for me, which was redefining what the word success meant and Mm. how I was able to break through what society says success is supposed to look like. Because after supporting CEOs and founders um, in the finance industry in New York City, I didn't want what they had, but yet I was told that's what success was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And the re- redefining and going within to see like, what did I want? Like for once in my life, I was asking myself, what did I want? That's when I was able to put it all down on paper and come up with a plan and ultimately leave my corporate job, start my coaching business, scale my coaching business, Um feel better than I ever had in my entire life. Um, And now I have a neuro-linguistic programming certification. I certify life and success coaches all over the world. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I like this. There's so much to unpack in your story. (laughs) What really stuck out to me was the defining of success. Yeah. So if you could, this is a two part (laughs) question. That moment when you intentionally tried to overdose, what was going on and what was your definition of success then? Because Mm -hmm. obviously, well, I should say obviously, but I feel like you weren't meeting that goal of success, or maybe you wouldn't have tried to overdose. So what was your definition then? And then two, what is your definition now? You know, I think back then it was, um, in 2013, I don't even think I knew what success was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't even think I had a definition because at that time, like I just wanted to be comfortable let alone like happiness wasn't even a goal of mine. It was just like, I wanted to feel like um, comfort in my own skin. And that would have been success, I guess, in those moments, because Mm -hmm. I was always just so uncomfortable in my own body and my own skin. I was like in these depths of like self-loathing, you know, like just hating what I saw in the mirror every single day. And what I had been doing to myself and to my life, like everything just wasn't, there was nothing put together about it. So success, I think in those, in those dark days, I call them, um, would have just been to feel comfortable, you know, uh, look in the mirror and not be like, who, like, what the fuck is wrong with you kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and success now, I feel like 
it's just so it, it evolves every day. But like success this morning was waking up with my alarm and going to the gym, getting in a workout, coming back from my gym, going into the shower and then snuggling my two boys and hugging my husband. Like I could have never imagined that life for myself, like especially in the days where I was staring at myself in the mirror, hating every moment of my existence. And like now I'm like, I wake up feeling joy and like happiness and so much love and oh my gosh, it like, it brings so much, like so much emotion because I'm like, I'm happy. Like that's success, you know? And I don't think it's defined by the dollars in the bank account or, um, you know, the material things that I have in the closet. Like I like those things. And Mm -hmm because of my financial success, I've been able to purchase stuff like that, you know, the house and all of the things, but success for me today is joy and fulfillment in my home life with my two sons and my husband and just being happy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I think so many of us, we grew up with Success is a large bank account, materialistic things, and that's all that it should be. Right. So how do you help others define their success without that? Like, who do they want to be if money and materialistic things weren't a factor in their definition of success? Yeah, I think it all for for me and my students and like my clients that I work with, it all comes down to your mindset, right? Because none of that stuff matters. None of the money matters. None of the material things matter if you aren't feeling happiness and joy and fulfillment in your heart and soul. So like we work with manifestation and like the beliefs um, regarding your goals and things like that. But it all comes down to embodying the version of yourself who's most successful. Mm. And that doesn't, it it isn't just, you can't embody money, (laughs) right? You can't embody money. You can't embody a dollar in the bank account, but what you can embody is like what, how you are as a mom or how you are as a wife or how you are as a leader or um, what brings you happiness. Like those are all things that you can embody aside from, the money. And when you're a match for the dollar amount that you desire, like vibrationally, it, it just comes like it, yeah. it finds its way to you. Yeah. Maybe not overnight. <laughs> You'll get there. So that moment when you were in the bedroom, the mascara mm-hmm. is running mm-hmm. down your face. What was it for you that propelled you to say, I need to make the change. And it might've just been so minuscule. That moment for me in all like transparency and honesty didn't come until I woke up in, um, in a hospital room. Okay. Yeah. Um, in, in that moment. And I know there's a lot of people out there who struggle with like depression and like trigger warning. It was a suicide attempt, obviously. Um, And I didn't want to go on anymore. And I had driven myself into such a hole with my family and with how I felt about myself. I I didn't see any other options for me because Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to live without drugs. And I also knew the consequences that came with them. So the 
defining moment for me was when I woke up a couple days later, actually, I was, um, it was, I'm, I'm very lucky that I lived. And I remember looking around in the hospital room and I thought to myself, wow, I can't even do this right. Like (laughs) I couldn't even do that right. And I was pissed at first. And I remember my dad was sitting next to me and um, he was holding my hand and he was just like, "Um, something's got to change, Manda. Like we, this, this, you're here, you're awake. There's like, you're here for a reason. Um, Your mission is so much bigger than this. And um, I think when I like came to and like realized like what had happened, I knew that no normal person should be able to survive something like that and that I had to put both feet into coming into myself, (laughs) coming and sharing my story because I like it wasn't just the drugs. Like I, you know, through my whole adolescence, I was on really strong medication. I was born with an illness. I had cirrhosis of the liver, like all of these things that like most normal kids don't grow up with. And like, I knew that in those moments after that, if I'm still here, that means that God needs me here for a reason and that I have to share my story and that I have to put the love into myself that I would pour into everything else around me. And, um, I think that was really the defining moment for me. How did you deal with that identity loss? Cause even though it was toxic, that's Mm -hmm. still who for a period of time, that's how you identified as. So how did you deal with that? And then how did that help you as you transitioned out of the corporate world? The way that I, honestly, it was just getting comfortable identifying that I am an addict. I still, to this day, go to Narcotics Anonymous meetings. I sponsor women. I have a sponsor. I work the 12 steps. I, you know, I call my sponsor every day. She's amazing. Shout out to you, Cindy. You're the (laughs) best. She's like a second mom. (laughs) calls me out of my bullshit. It was my first taste of like what personal development is like in a specific area of life. And for me, it was life or death, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like literally life or death. And I remember every time I would introduce myself when um, I first started going into a Narcotics Anonymous meetings, I would literally cringe because I'm like, I am not society's definition of an addict. Like, I don't look like an addict. I don't sound like an addict. I don't live under a bridge. I never lost all of like my finances. Like, it just, that didn't happen for me. Like, I was really like disgusting like an addict. (laughs) Like, I was picking up cigarette butts off the street at one point. I think what really helped with the transition out of corporate was working um, on myself and filling up those the void within me with um, awareness of my patterns and also understanding that I wanted more for myself, that I deserve more for myself, that I am not my behaviors. And when I relate that to corporate, I think about like, I was not my job. Like my job didn't define me just as like my drug addiction didn't define me. Like I'm still a good person and my goals matter and I have dreams and aspirations. And if these things live within me, that means I'm worthy of them. That means I'm meant to do them. And it means I'm meant to follow that inner whisper. And some people think like when, when you're not, when you don't have the entrepreneur bug or like that entrepreneur gene, like 
I think people just think you're a little bit of a psychopath because <laughs> they're like, what makes you think that you can do this? And I'm like, well, why do you think you can't <laughs> like what's, mm-hmm. what's possible when I do? And what's so interesting is my entire corporate career. I was also trying to start different side businesses the whole time. Like I had always had that entrepreneur spirit. So I remember starting a business where I was selling juice that I was allergic to, which I don't I do not recommend anyone trying that at home. I started a window washing company. I was growing herbs in my backyard and making soy candles. I was making coffee scrubs. And then eventually I was just like, why isn't any of this work for me? Like, why can't I just get any of these businesses off the ground? And it wasn't until I redefined success that I realized there was like this messed up wiring that I had to reprogram inside of my mind about what success was supposed to be. And that's when I was able to make that transition. And I really think that because I'm an addict, I don't take no for an answer and I'm going to find a way to get whatever the heck I want, whether it's like through this way, through this way, through this way or that way. Like if the first person, if the first drug dealer hung up the phone and said that they were out of whatever my drug was at the time, I was picking up and calling somebody else. Right. So the same thing worked for me and is still works for me when it, when I have a goal and when I'm on a mission, man, like I'm on a mission to change the freaking world. And if like the first person I speak to is like, nope, not interested. I'll be like, okay, sorry. Next person. Yeah. <laughs> so what I like is you took the positive side of it. Cause yeah. I, I fully believe there's a negative and positive to every single situation right. and you adapted it. And I think that is so brave and courageous of you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, (laughs) because it is like it gave you those qualities to be persistent, even though (laughs) at the time it was negative. Now you're using the positive side of it. You know, it's so funny. I think about like all of because something through the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous, you have to think of like your character defects and how we can look at our shortcomings, essentially, and think of what the positive spiritual principle is behind it. I was like incessant. I was an incessant like follow-upper. I would call and call and call and call. And I'm like, the spiritual principle is persistence. (laughs) It is resilience. It's like all of these amazing things that we just have to channel in the right direction. And then you get what you want. Yeah. (laughs) So if someone came to you stating that they wanted to pivot or transition in their career, what would be one of the biggest, or what would be the biggest piece of advice you would share with them to help them in that journey? Just stay committed to your vision, man. Like that's for me, what it all comes down to because success and growth isn't linear. There's ebbs and flows in every season. Um, Stay committed because the reason that you want to do something, the mission behind it will start to connect the dots as you go. Like it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger as you go along your journey. And um, you can't get a yes unless you ask for it, right? So you Mm -hmm. just have to keep asking for the yes, asking for the yes. Every single day you choose that vision and you choose that outcome. And even if it's just one little tiny step, 
That's all it takes. And if it's no steps at all, or even if it's a couple steps back, that's okay. But then you wake up the next morning and remember what that vision is and what the mission is behind it and just keep going. Where can my listeners find you on social media? You can find me at Inner Beauty Bible on Instagram and every other social media account, TikTok, YouTube. Yeah. Inner Beauty Bible. B-Y-B-E-L. <laughs> and threads. Oh, oh yeah. I, I finally gave into, to the threads <laughs> thing and I post daily prompts there. So I don't think I'm going to be doing much else. Yeah. Well, I'm going to link everything so people can find you easily. Thank you so much for sharing your story and being vulnerable. I think you're amazing. And I hope you continue to redefine success every day. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You can follow me, Dr. C, on Instagram at Embrace the Pivot. I hope all of you embrace your pivot.